0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Trouble and Strife, an adventure audio drama series set in the fantasy world of RuneScape. Written and narrated by Josh Hayes, supported by my wonderful patrons. Episode 3, The Restless Ghost, Part 1. I tore another small chunk of bread from the loaf and tossed it high into the air, arcing through the breeze and landing amongst the reeds of the water's edge. The ducks flapped and quacked their way excitedly over and began pecking away. I was sat on the grassy riverbank by Lumbridge Castle. After my treasure hunt for Vios, I'd wandered slowly back here. I was still a stranger to these lands, and this place felt safe, almost familiar. I was lying on my back, lazily gazing up at the brilliant blue sky. Sparse clouds floated along, the sun that perfect warm that basks you in gentle heat without burning. The market was bustling as always, and my head was resting on my backpack. I could feel the legs of the toy horse I'd bought from Diango digging into my neck, so I shifted the bag around and laid down again. Perfect. The loaf of bread I'd found on the floor by a market trader, and asked if I could take. It was dusty and dirty, and she had no problem with my request. I wasn't hungry, but it was making the ducks very happy. I was thinking about what to do next. I could see more travellers trundling down the path and across the bridge toward the market, and I thought, should I follow where they'd come from? Lumbridge and Draenor were small fishing towns, and maybe it was time I found one of the larger cities. While I lay thinking, footsteps faintly approached from the side, and rolling my head, I saw a long grey robe and a corded belt, arms clasped together in front with robed sleeves covering them. It was Father Eric. I rolled slightly to the side and greeted him. Father Eric, how's the lovely afternoon treating you then? He gazed across the water and took in the fishers on both sides, the ducks, the people running across the bridge, before replying. The last time we spoke, Strife, you were planning on helping someone. I nodded. The cook, yeah. I'd found everything he needed. Eric smiled and then asked, Why did you help him? I'd been asked that question before and the answer was slowly becoming clear to me, so the reply was easy. Because I could. Plus, it seemed like the right thing to do at the time. Father Eric continued to take in the serene afternoon, sun and breeze, then asked, So if I required your help, would you help me? I looked at him, then stood up, brushed myself down, picked up my backpack and slung it over my shoulder and turned to face him. I can try, Father. Why, what's wrong? Father Eric glanced at the ground, as if searching for the words, then back at me. I'll explain inside. It's a delicate matter. With that, he turned and walked back toward the church. I followed, walking by his side. I'd only spoken to this man once or twice before, and both times he'd seemed content, fulfilled. But now that was replaced by a silent contemplation tinted with sorrow. The way he walked, the way he hung his head slightly lower than usual. Something was wrong. We made our way inside the church the sun spilling through the stained glass windows and carrying the dazzling colours all over the floor and walls. It was empty, everyone was likely enjoying the day outside and our footsteps echoed softly as I followed Eirek to the front near the altar. He pulled out the small wooden stool that was tucked underneath the church organ and sat heavily down onto it and then let out a long sigh. What's wrong father? He slowly lifted his head, I could see he was holding a forced smile the face of a man who'd been showing strength to others for too long and was now starting to falter. Through forced confidence, he simply said, I feel I have failed. I didn't know what to say. The silence of the church punctuated his words and the noise of the crowd outside seemed to dull. Standing in this expansive room, the brilliant color of the windows was a stark contrast to the gray of Father Eric's robes and in that moment, it felt lonely. I sat down on the front row of a nearby pew, placed my pack to my side and leaned forward, elbows on my knees, and asked, what do you think you failed at? Eric took a long, deep, drawn-in breath and then slowly breathed out, a constant, shallow sigh, as if trying to hold back tears. Finally, he composed himself enough to talk. You don't know me, Strife, and I only know one thing about you. You're willing to help people even when you won't gain anything from it. Eric was looking straight at me. His face may have shown sadness, but his gaze was as stoic and as powerful as ever. He continued. I serve Saradomin, and it is my place to bring peace and tranquility to all who seek it. And because of this, he took a moment and looked around the church, but the crowd outside the open doors then back at me. I cannot ask for help from those I care for. I must be their strength, they cannot be mine. I didn't know what to say, so simply sat, listening, as Eric shuffled on the stool and leaned forward very slightly. You are not part of my flock. You do not come here for guidance, and because of this, I am able to ask you for help. Father Eric was holding back tears, I could tell. He was a man who had to be strong and reliable every day for the people of this town and showing no weakness, no matter how human that may be, because showing that would drip down into his teachings. I could see Father Eric was a man willing to shoulder the pain of others, willing to keep sadness away from those who came to him a selfless man, carrying sadness so those around him didn't have to. I spoke loud and I spoke clear. Whatever you need, father, I'll help. Eric smiled, more genuine than last time but still fighting through his hidden feelings. He stood up and walked over to a window that looked out into the southern graveyard and motioned me to join him. I walked over and stood by his side. He raised a robed arm and pointed at something outside. I bring peace to those who need it. I am here to stop the suffering of life and to guide in the darkness of death. His voice was strong but tainted with cracks and shakes. And in that task, I believe I have failed. He was staring out the window and following his gaze into the graveyard, I saw it. A shimmer, an outline, like wisps of smoke that flashed into existence then out again. A shadow moving in the air impossible to track, like wavy lines of heat from a stone. One moment there, then gone again. The features, the mess would disappear, then form in an indescribable way. I could make out the silhouette of a person and then I could see nothing, constantly merging and shifting. When the shape was visible, It made no sound, yet I knew it was screaming. It had no eyes or mouth or hands, but it was clawing at its face and thrashing around, existing, then not existing. Looking at this spectre, I felt a deep painful sadness, twisting with an unusual terror. The supernatural always had ways of making humans feel intense primal urges, and my stomach felt nothing but fear and started to tie itself in knots. I turned to Eric. What is that? What am I looking at? Eric's eyes hadn't moved and followed the shape as it writhed around the graveyard. That is a soul in pain. A soul stuck in this world that wants to go to the next. It was my job to help him find peace in death. Eric turned to me, his eyes filled with uncried tears. And I have failed. And I don't know why. Father Erek stood strong and stoic. But I knew right now you could knock him down with a feather. His robes were still, his gaze stern. But inside, this man was breaking down as a pained spirit thrashed around the graveyard outside. I had no idea what to do. I had no training with the supernatural, no experience with ghosts or spectres, and no clue how to lay a soul to rest. I understood why Eric couldn't go to anyone with this problem. His position as a priest and as a shepherd of souls would be questioned or doubted if he couldn't provide peace. And so knowing he had no one else to ask, I knew I had to stand alone and strong, and so simply replied, what can I do? Eric remained standing just as strong and just as silent, but as I spoke, he seemed to soften and calm, as if a weight had been lifted, and the smile on his face seemed almost genuine. He spoke softly. How much do you know about the afterlife, Strife? About what we may become once we die? Honesty Father, nothing. It's never been something I've thought too much about. Eric started pacing toward the double doors leading outside. I picked up my pack from the pew and followed. He continued. Then, I suggest you make your way into the swamp and find Father Ernie. He lives alone. A wooden hut, far from this place. We had reached the doors and were standing in the doorway. Father Eirek was pointing to the south, beyond the graveyard. I could see the gravel path that led through the southern shops and into the graveyard, a rusted metal fence surrounding it and a large metal frame as a gate. Damaged by time and rain over the years, but still strong. The gate was half open. Eric spoke some more. Father Ernie is an expert in the afterlife. His studies were frowned upon by many, so he chose to live alone in peace. Eric's face revealed the pain of a man who had lost a dear friend, his voice carrying a hint of missed memories. He was a kind man, and wanted to help, but people are often afraid of what they don't understand. So, he left, but I don't believe he ever stopped caring about people, about helping. I think he is now, and always will be, a good man. Eric turned to me and spoke with a more serious tone The position I am in prevents me from speaking to him I must put my flock first but when you do find him please tell him Father Eric says hello I tightened the straps on my back took in the crowded shops and throng of people before turning to Eric Leave it to me with that, I stepped away and down the path toward the graveyard. As I walked toward the graveyard, Father Eric's situation weighed heavily on my mind. A priest, a father of the Holy Church of Saradomen, responsible for so much peace and happiness, for guiding the living and shepherding the dead. A man who seemed so calm and collected, yet deep down was holding on to all the sorrow and pain he'd taken from others. He blamed himself. For each and every soul he took in, I remember his eyes while watching the ghost through the window. He was absolutely distraught, blaming himself entirely for the spirit's pain. I neared the end of the path and turned left through the gate of the graveyard. Despite being so close to the southern shops, it felt alone, disconnected. A layer of unnatural silence fell, and the air seemed heavier than usual. As I stepped inside, I took a look around. Rows of graves, various shapes and sizes, made of all manner of materials, marble plinths carrying the four-pointed star of Sarodomin, wooden crosses with a simple name, granite headstones with the single writhing vine chiselled in, the symbol of Guthix. The grass varied from grave to grave, some neat and trimmed, others overgrown with weeds, some had bunches of flowers either planted or leaning against the stone, petals slowly wilting and drying in the midday sun. The graveyard was empty save for one person in the distance, closer to the church wall. A man kneeling and praying. I could make out a long black overcoat with a red collar but nothing else. As I walked between the graves and toward the southern exit toward the swamp, I saw it. The shapes. The mass of shimmering nothing. It was between me and the swamp. And it seemed to be staggering toward me. When the shape formed, I could see arms and legs, ribs sticking out, and with its terrifying non-existence, it rushed directly toward me. I didn't know what to do. I was scared, but didn't feel unsafe. I was frozen to the spot, but still able to think, and in a desperate cry, I yelled out, How can I help you? The ghost let out, A silent scream. No noise, yet my ears rang. It pierced through me and ripped through my insides, quiet and loud at the same time. Again, I shouted, How can I help you? The figure continued running toward me, picking up pace, fading in and out, until suddenly, with no noise or flash, it was gone. I looked around the graveyard. No sign of shapes or wisps, no grass was waving in the breeze, and the clouds had crept in over the sun, casting a dull shadow all around. The man in the distance was still kneeling, as if he hadn't heard my shouting earlier. I don't know what I'd expected to do. The veil between the worlds of the living and the dead made it impossible for us to understand each other in any way, and once again my good intentions got in the way of my actual ability. I wanted to help, but couldn't. I had to speak to Father Ernie, and with that I walked through the graveyard, through the south gate and into Lumbridge swamp. You can smell the swamp before you see it. The southern side of town has a faintly earthy mould aroma to it, but once you walk through the graveyard into the swamp proper, it hits you like a wall. The dirt path I was walking on fades into mud and moss, the grass grows in ugly clumps and the bubbling of gas and swamp water mixed with the incessant chirping of rats. The River Lum, the one I'd been relaxing at so pleasantly just a few moments ago, was behind me, and as I faced west, I could see only swamp thick, fetid swamp. So I gritted my teeth and walked forward. The ground was a bog, a dangerous mix of piles of leaves and vines twisting, forming solid ground and piles of leaves and vines hiding puddles of pools of aging decayed water. Each step was a chance and I was waiting to see if any bubbles of gas popped through the surface before putting my foot down anywhere. Around me large rats, easily as big as the ones I'd seen back on the island scurried to and fro. They occasionally looked over at me but didn't seem too bothered with me being there. Along with the rats I kept thinking I saw spiders, long spindly ones, legs as long as my legs, hairy bodies tucked under piles of leaves, legs following the flow of the vines, hiding themselves in the disgusting swamp. I could see the webs they'd left behind, a white mess of silk hanging low from the dead leaves of sorrowful bushes, some had caught flies, some mosquitoes and some rats. Everything was damp. A layer of oily water dressed every leaf, and as I walked further, my shoes, trousers, tunic and pack became covered in a thin layer of grime and awful oil. I was sweating. The clouds had moved and the sun beamed down again, giving everything a sweaty sheen. The smell of the swamp now mixing with the heat and singed rat fur warped on over. This place was vile. If Father Ernie was indeed shunned by the community for studying the realities of life after death, I can see why he'd choose to live here. Climbing through the matty oily swamp eventually, through the gnarled roots and drooping trees in the distance, I could make out the shape of a cottage, lopsided and covered in vines. As I got closer, it was more vine than wood. It seemed the building itself had given way to rot a long time ago and was now a shell of living matter. I walked around, the ground firmer and drier now, until I saw the space where a door used to be, the metal hinges of the frame absorbed by the ivy that had grown up and only the thinnest slivers of wood clung to the metal screws that once held it. Approaching slowly, I peered inside and called out. Father Ernie? No response. I stepped inside a little more and gave my eyes time to adjust to the dark as I called again. Father Ernie, my name is Strife. I was sent here by Father Eric. A grunt from the corner. My eyes darted over, peering into the blackness. The darkness of the room punctuated by a few thin strips of light piercing the gaps in the vines above. And as I stared, I could just make out the shape of a man, hunched down in the corner, facing away from me. And as I looked, he turned his head over his shoulder, a wrinkled, dirt-covered face, wild beard and thinning grey hair falling down around his shoulders. The same grey robe as Father Eric, but ripped and torn, sewn back together in places with mismatched threads. His hands curled up around his face and wild eyes staring into mine. His voice was gruff, as if he hadn't spoken in days. Who sent you? I looked back at the feral figure squatting in the corner and as I did he slowly rose up. He was slightly taller than me, his robe covered in stuck leaves and twigs, some falling to the floor as he straightened out. With my eyes adjusted I could see more of the room, shelves covered in mouldy books, wooden crates with holes rotted through them stacked in the corner and the rug on the floor seemingly made out. Of the fur of a single giant, skinned rat. The whole room smelled damp, and I replied: "If your father Ernie, then Father Eric from Lumbridge needs your help. He sent me to speak to you." The old man took a single, unsteady step forward, then another, each time almost falling, until he reached a rotten wooden chair and sat down on it, the moldy legs creaking and bowing under his weight. He spoke. And what is so important, that Father Eric would send a messenger to his old friend Ernie. Father Ernie was looking at me, keen for an answer, almost excited to hear a reason, any reason, that someone would need him. There's something in the Lumbridge graveyard, something not at rest, a spirit, and Father Eric doesn't know how to help it. Ernie rolled his head all around, stretching his neck, his joints cracking loudly as he did, then stretched his jaw, opening and closing his mouth, blinking his eyes hard and then opening them fully. Clearly a man who hadn't moved in some time, and with a much clearer voice spoke again. So righteous little Eric, has a problem with the other side and now oh now Ernie's useful now he needs my help he needs the same skills they hate me for having father Ernie was rocking back and forth in the chair as he spoke anger clearly flowing out of him a man who had studied something forbidden cast out by the community and now was being called upon for those exact same skills I could understand where he was coming from. I spoke clearly, straight toward the odd, rocking man. Father Eric did have a message for you, specifically. Ernie's eyes lit up, his crazy loneliness seemingly halted by a glimmer of hope. Oh, really? And what did the good father say? I took a moment, and then spoke. He simply said, Hello. With those words, Ernie stopped moving and twitching and sat dead still, his eyes glazed over, his mouth slightly agape, as he stared forward into nothingness. After a few moments of silence and unable to understand exactly what he was thinking, I spoke softly. Father Ernie, can you help him? He needs you. Ernie remained silent and still, but slowly his head turned and his gaze met mine. His eyes seemed softer, More human. He's not allowed to do that. I was confused. I'm sorry, I don't understand. He's not allowed to do what? Ernie pulled his knees up to his chin and hugged them to him as he sat sideways on the chair. Greet me! He's not allowed to greet me! Ernie's wild face twisted into the faintest of smiles. He can ask for help, he can demand I help, but he can't greet me, they forbid it. Ernie lifted his face to the ceiling and was smiling from ear to ear. He said hello to me, he's not allowed to say hello to me, and he did, he said hello. The old man, who had been hunched and dirty in the corner, was now brimming with joy, his robes just as dirty and hair just as unkempt, but his face, A new man. A smile. A genuine, honest smile. He fell forward off the chair and hopped to his feet and walked quickly over to me. His smile revealing two rows of sparse yellow teeth. His breath a putrid cloud, but his eyes sparkling. He can't say hello to me. It's against the rules. It's against the community rules. He can only demand, but he did. He said hello. You know what that means? I shook my head and tried to breathe through my mouth. His face was so close to mine, his breath was making me gag. It means he's still my friend. He still cares about me. Father Ernie held my gaze for only a moment, then shuffled off to a box in the corner, reached inside and pulled out a frayed string with something tied to it, something white. As he walked back toward me, he held up in his dirt-covered hand a strange amulet. This is what you need. He took my hand from my side and placed the object in it. The white thing on the end was the skull of a small animal. And as the dirty string fell and curled around into my palm, Ernie stepped back. The living and the dead divided by a veil, an essence, but this... He pointed at the amulet in my hand, then loudly whispered, Ghost speak. I looked at my hand. The amulet seemed crude and basic. The animal's skull hadn't been cleaned properly and still had dried clumps of bloody fur stuck to it, dust inside the eye sockets, and the string itself was fraying. Father Ernie continued, Wear this, and your voice will pierce the veil. Be heard, and you'll hear them back. The spirits, they'll speak, and you'll hear. An amulet of ghost speak communication with the dead? Was this one of the things Father Ernie had been cast out of the church for? I can imagine not all priests would look fondly upon talking with the dead, some likely viewing it as a step too close to necromancy, the realm of Zamorak, for the church to be involved with. I turned the skull around in my hand and then spoke. If you give me this, I'll be able to understand the spirit in the graveyard. Ernie nodded his head. And once I'm able to help him, do you want me to return this to you? Ernie shook his head and told me, Oh no, if Father Eric has a problem and trusts you to solve it, then you keep it, I I don't need it anymore. I didn't know what he meant by that. Did he not need it because he felt its purpose was served, or because his studies had taken him so deep he was able to communicate with the dead without it? I didn't ask, as I wasn't sure I wanted to know the answer. I gathered up the string around the skull and put the amulet into my pocket, then turned to Father Ernie again. Thank you. He'll appreciate this. I nodded, and Ernie nodded back. And as I turned to walk out the hut and back toward the swamp, he spoke one last time. What did Father Eric tell you about me? I stopped, facing into the swamp the stagnant gases wafting on the breeze and the oily sheen reflecting the sun. I turned my head over my shoulder and met Ernie's expectant gaze and through a smile I replied. He told me that you are now and always will be in his eyes a good man. A short silence and then a tear rolled down Father Ernie's face followed by another. With a quiet grace he returned to the corner i'd first seen him in kneeled down gathered his robe tightly around him and began to weep softly i faced back toward the swamp with a deep inhale i stepped out of the house and began climbing through the tangled mass of vines and leaves again while i fought and pushed my way through the dense disgusting swamp i thought about the journey Father Ernie had been excommunicated, and yet Eric still cared for him, still saw him as an old friend. It was touching, and it strengthened my resolve to help Father Eric any way I could. Eventually, after stepping in a few pools of swamp water and brushing my face through clumps of oily leaves, I could see Lumbridge Graveyard in the distance. I kept climbing, stepping from vine to vine, and finally emerged out of the dense swamp. I could see the River Lum flowing gently hear the faint noise of people in the distance, and over in the graveyard I could see the shape had returned. Cuts and slices of dust in the air, blurry clumps of something restless. I took the amulet from my pocket, tied the string around my neck, and let the small skull fall under my chin. I stared straight out the graveyard, and then took a quiet, determined step toward the southern gate. As I approached, I could see the writhing mass of quivering shapes was hitting what was once its fists against the wall of a mausoleum, as if trying to break down the brick and get inside. As I walked through the gate and into the graveyard, it stopped, and with a lash of wispy tendrils, a ghostly flicker of dust, it twisted its gaze and saw me. Another ghostly scream, as terrifying as the first, a shrill, silent wail ripped through the air, but this time it didn't hurt me didn't scare me and I could make out words faint and quiet but words please help me I stood facing the creature and replied as bravely as I could tell me how the ghost stopped and stood completely still its fist held in the air ready to pound on the wall again and through the dead stillness It turned its whole shivering body to face me and spoke. You can hear me. I licked my dry lips. It was sunny but still oddly cold and I was shivering. A mix of fear and adrenaline as I replied to the terrified spirit. Yes, I can. Now tell me how I can help you. Thank you for listening to episode 3 of Trouble and Strife, a RuneScape audio drama. I hope you're enjoying the adventure. The ambient music in this episode was composed by Michael Gelfi. Links to his channel are below. If you'd like to hear more audio drama adventures, then simply leave a comment. Or if you'd like to, consider supporting me on Patreon. Thank you for your time, and have a great day.